Hello everyone, bonjour, buenos dias, guten tag, how's it going? Welcome to another episode of Need to Read, sorry that I longed that out so long, I didn't really know where I was going as soon as I started saying hello in different languages, it just got away from me, but yeah, welcome to another episode, got another Mark Manson book for you today, I got on a little bit of a hype after the Love Is Not Enough audiobook because, I mean, I've said it before, the way his mind work just blows mine essentially so i reread everything is fucked sorry there might be a bit of swearing in this one um well i mean actually like i'm not sorry but i'm just letting you know that that's going to be the case so everything is fucked it's a book about hope and it is a bloody good book obviously mark mountain's written the subtle art of not giving a fuck models and that love is not enough and other books i've loved but Obviously, when there's a, like a book like The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck, everyone knows that orange book. Um, so many people read it and it's almost become a little bit of like a self-help sort of cliche because it is such a good book and it's helped so many people's lives. So how do you follow on from that? Like he had a hell of a task on his hand um, to come up with another book after that that's going to bang just as hard, if you know what I mean. But I think he did it. Like, it's definitely... It's, it's not as good as Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck, but it's very, very close. I think the main thing... Um, his approach is pretty brutal. Um, and this book goes into a lot about the whole nihilism thing. Um, now, nihilism is essentially the philosophical belief that like, there's, there's not much point in anything. Um, so the rejection of all sort of religions, any moral principle, just that life is meaningless now criticism of mark manson he might be seen as pessimistic at times but it's not it's an approach that sort of acknowledges and tips its hat to nihilism he almost presents the case that you can't have hope without nihilism which i mean i'd kind of say is true i sometimes feel like a bit nihilistic i think that's quite natural Everyone has those days when they're like, what is the point? And then you catch yourself and then you remind yourself. But there is a nihilist in all of us, I think. Um, if you haven't got one in you, I mean, fair play. Pretty jealous um, of that, if I'm completely honest. But he talks about Frederick Nietzsche. I might have said the name wrong. It is very complicated. Please do look it up before you judge me. Um, but yeah, so Frederick Nietzsche. Nietzsche. We're going to go with Nietzsche today. He was like the founder of nihilism. He was born in like mid-1800s, uh, lived in like Switzerland. Um, one of those super, super smart people. Graduated school and university probably far too early. Um, I was just super, super smart. And there's a lot of controversial things that you've said, but there's a lot of helpful things um, that he said. And Mark Manson gives you a little insight into him in this book, which I think is quite nice. But the other parts of the book, so we got the title, so a book about hope everything's fucked he makes the argument that everything kind of needs to be fucked for us to have hope because if everything was perfect and we did live in a utopia what would we have to complain about now, i know that's a bit of a classic like oh if everything was great what would you have to complain about well the thing is you'd have nothing so you'd search for stuff uh, so there's an experiment that he talks about called the blue dot effect experiment experiment and that essentially tries to prove that we find what we're looking for in life. So if 
we had nothing to have hope for, we would then look for a problem. And as this blue dot experiment sort of proves, like we'll find one because we're looking for it. And we generally do sort of find what we're looking for. Not when you're looking for like a bag full of million pounds, like on the side of the road. Not that I often do that, but like there's limits to what you're looking for. But you'll you'll just create problems in your head. It's like if you get anxious, like some day, like most days, I'll wake up anxious. The day that I don't wake up anxious, oh my God. Oh, then I'm anxious about not being anxious because I'm looking for it. I mean, and I know that full well, but it's just an example. It's how I felt in the past when there's been a day where I haven't felt like that. I've just looked for it. And it's the same with the whole law of attraction thing. The way that I see it with law of attraction is when you're thinking about something all the time, you are looking for it more and it turns up. But if you hadn't been thinking about it or looking for it, you might have missed it. So that's my take on law of attraction for you. So won't be reading the secret. Thank you very much. That episode will come out on the 4th of never. Um, but yeah, you have a bias towards what you want. People always ultimately do what they want, say what they want or find what they want when they're looking for something. And that's kind of the argument that um, Mark Manson makes. He, or he, in fact, quite literally says that everyone's a bit of a piece of shit. Um, and he says it's not really our fault that we think we're pieces of shit or that we are pieces of shit. He says that at some stage in our lives, someone punched us in the face. And instead of reacting to it, we just believe that we deserve deserve it and that we feel like we're bits pieces of shit. Therefore, I think therefore I am, you become a bit of a piece of shit. And that's what he says pretty much about everyone. I mean, don't take it personally when you read it, um, because I think the definition of piece of shit is going to vary from person to person. But it's an interesting way of thinking, and we like interesting ways of thinking. There's a really um, interesting point in the book, just to go off from where we were just then. Is it's new? He goes. He talks about Isaac Newton, but like a modern day sort of grumpy Isaac Newton that uh, has sort of real teenage angst. And he goes through Newton's three laws of emotion. So I won't read all three out to you because obviously you can read the book and you can find them out. But he says for every action there is an equal emotional reaction. So you can see it's like his law of relativity. Um, but he's just done it in an emotional format. I just thought it was quite clever, um, the way that he goes into the story. That was an entertaining part of the book. So going back to the point that we were saying about looking for stuff. So people, as a rule, sort of in, in the book, he says that we just expect to be upset and we kind of need the world to be upset, like we were saying earlier, so that we can have help, hope. Um, but if there's no upset, like the smallest thing can happen and it will completely ruin your week or even your year or your whole entire life. You need to build that resilience through hardship, upset, whatever it is, you have to be told no sometimes and it upset you. Like when you raise a kid, you know, those bratty little kids, when you get to that reception, and they're those kids that have just never been told no. 
by their parents. As soon as they're told no by teachers or other little boys and girls, they lose their shit and they throw the toys out of the pram that they're not in at the time because obviously they're at school, but they just can't handle it. They haven't been prepared. They haven't had to deal with upset at all really in their lives because they've just been told yes the whole time. So we've got to get upset because it makes us a better, stronger person, essentially. So there's a case for everything staying fucked, really. Because if it wasn't, we'd be in a utopia and who wants just to be happy all the time, right? Which brings me on to the next part that I really liked about this book. Everyone has like a baseline happiness. And whether you win the lottery or become paralyzed this is mentioned in james smith's book as well actually um not a diet book so whether you're paralyzed or win the lottery and you go to like a three out of ten happiness or a nine out of ten from winning the lottery you'll have a baseline level at maybe about sort of like five or six so whatever happens you'll peak for a little bit and you'll return to that so that's why a lot of lottery winners like they're not significantly happier after they've won a lottery and then lost all their money or won the lottery or sort of maintain that wealth. They just return to that baseline happiness wherever it is. So you've got to work on essentially appreciating what you've got so you can raise your baseline happiness a little bit higher. Um, that's the only way that you can do it through sort of gratitude and just taking care of yourself in that way. Whereas someone that becomes paralyzed, like initially they're going to drop right down on the happiness scale, but they'll get used to it and they'll get used to it, but they're going up the happiness scale because they have to learn to appreciate things more. So the lesson here is you're always going to be at a little baseline of happiness, wherever that may be. So just expect when you go up in happiness that it's not always going to be like that. We can't be happy all the time. And when we get sad, we're also going back up that scale of happiness. There is going to be a time when you're back at baseline happy, however long that may be. But that was a really interesting thing for me. Um, I had heard it before, but I think it was quite a key thing to put in this book, um, which at times could be seen as relatively negative. Um, but I thought it was pretty good. I've got one more bit that I want to run through, and I did send an email out about this. So if you don't get my emails, there is going to be a link in the description here. Um, of course, you can sign up for them. And if you don't like my first email, guess what? You don't even have to tell me. You just get to unsubscribe. And I'll never know unless I check my audience, which I don't really. I'm just I just like sending the emails out. So please sign up. If you don't like it, you can unsubscribe. And I was talking about the protesters in Vietnam and it was like 1960 something. And the Vietnamese government were trying to essentially abolish Buddhism. And in a silent protest, one of the um, Buddhist monks in Vietnam walked into the middle of the street had someone else pour gasoline over him, struck a match and set fire to himself in protest for, obviously, them trying to kick him out. Now, it's an extreme story about choosing what you suffer for. Now, not only did he not flinch when he was getting set on fire or even move or even wince because there's pictures of him and he looks calm as anything. He was literally just meditating. Now, quick sidetrack if that's not like an advert for meditation someone being able to set themselves on fire and be able to withstand that pain without showing anyone that he's hurting or 
if he's actually hurting at all. No one knew. But, I mean, if you can get there within 60 years of meditation, we're probably all too late um, to start that. Don't know how old you are, but add 60 years onto your life. If you hope you're still going to be alive, start meditating today. You're probably never going to do as much meditation as that bloke that set himself on fire. But you might just be able to withstand different kind of flames, like emotional flames. Yeah, you can have that one for free. Um, so yeah, get meditating. But back to the story. The Buddhist monk set himself on fire. He chose what he was suffering for. He was suffering for the rights of his people. And he made a decision with that, and he was happy with that. Now, life isn't about the avoidance of suffering. It's about choosing what you suffer for. And this is one of the main points in this book. So you just need to learn to suffer well. Um, it's a constant sort of thing in happiness books, like pick your poison. So we do all need reminding of this. And it, and it is quite similar to his sort of point in the subtle art of not giving a fuck. But choosing what you suffer for is probably one of the most important things that you can remember throughout your day. When you check in with yourself, like, oh, why am I doing this? oh yeah, I'm suffering for this reason because we all do stuff that we don't want to do pretty much every day as much as I try not to and we all probably try not to. There's definitely things that we don't really want to do but we do it just for the sake of something else. We we choose what to suffer for. So it's nice that you touch back on that because I feel like I need a little bit of a reboot on that point as well. But that's all I've got to tell you about everything is fucked. Although I could go on for a while longer but... I think you've got enough to decide whether this book is for you or not. I think if you like Mark Manson's first book, then you probably know that you're pretty much going to like this one. I think even if you didn't like the first one, there's a high chance of you liking this one. But if you're one of those people that really doesn't like um, Mark Manson's sort of like quite aggressive approach, probably steer clear because, I mean, he hasn't changed um, since since the first book. Uh, but yeah, so thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed the episode. Obviously, I'm only an email away. If you want anything, give me a shout. Get on the email um, list. I'll send you a couple of emails a week. I'll put a link in the bio for that. Instagram, Facebook, it's all out there. You can join the book gang if you want to, but we won't spend too much time on that. Final thing is obviously the stoic thought of the week. Now, I tried to have a look for one about hope just to see what was going on there. Found a Marcus Aurelius quote on hope. And it's not necessarily about hope directly, uh, but it does represent it quite well. So he says, in a little while, you'll have forgotten everything. In a little while, everything have forgotten you. I think what that means to me is there's no hope. Risk it all. Have fun. But I don't think that's a true representation of what I actually feel Marcus Reyes was trying to say there. I think when it comes to hope, sort of with the Stoics, they're not necessarily people that sort of wish for things. They go out and they get it. So this quote, I would say, is kind of pointing towards the whole memento mori thing, which is Latin for sort of like acknowledge death or meditate on death. And essentially the whole concept that everything is temporary. Nothing's going to last forever. So actually now that I've talked it out, kind of do go back to what I originally said. Have fun. Nothing's forever. Be a good person every day and then you're going to be all right.
But that is it from me. I hope you have a lovely day. Whatever you do, thank you very much for listening. I've got a cracking episode coming out next for you with Stuart Knights talking about all things public speaking, entrepreneurship, uni, traveling. We got the whole lot for you. I'm looking forward to bringing that to you. Take it easy, everyone.